Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Levers. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, your favorite show that you happen to be watching right now. <laughs> I am Dr. Steve. Steve, you cannot stump me in musical trivia, Olivas, and he is James. I've never heard of Inger Bo oh, oh, <laughs> I needed to get through all of that to make you look bad, and I couldn't do it. I've never heard of Engelbert Humperdinck Breakwell and Breakwell. I gotta, I gotta recollect myself. How are you doing today? Are you Are you gonna go on record and say Humperdinck is a real person? Engelbert Humperdinck is absolutely a real person. Yes. Is that a stage name, or did his parents just hate him? No, that's actually his stage name. He is uh, of Indian. You know, the fact that I know this makes me actually a little bit sad, but his real name is actually not any more easy to pronounce. He is uh, Eastern Indian in origin, uh, and so he changed his name to something that sounded more British, which was Engelbert. Yeah, I, I will agree. It sounds very British. Uh, but <laughs> you you throw out these names all the time, and I guess I just assumed you were making up half the band names, but apparently not. I should, uh, if I cared even the slightest bit, I would just Google what you say, but I will never, ever do that. Yeah, as uh, Breakwell was trying to put his camera assembly together, I was rattling off a list of 1970s adults-oriented rock names, and I believe, James, you heard of none of them. You are correct, yes. It wasn't until you got to Humperdinck that I assumed you were making them up. Usually I just assume there are bands out there with names this bad. But... Uh, sure, you had... Please release me, let me go, for I just don't love you anymore. You've heard that song, right? I mean, I will agree that I don't love you, but no, those words are all foreign to me. <laughs> Let's get off of this topic because I, I don't think you could look any worse right now, James. What are we going to discuss, not argue about, because you and I are much more genteel than we used to be, but what shall we discuss? Which, by the way, with our new format where we just discuss rather than necessarily arguing, although it seems to break down into an argument anyway, uh, I have received zero positive feedback and one person who said it was better the other way, which given our, our total viewing audience is like 50% of the people who watch. So, so just so you know what the fans are saying but what we are going to discuss today to disappoint them is youth sports is it uh oh, it, man, and i know you and sports you're like this yeah james we uh me, me and sports have not gotten along over the years even though i i did them far <laughs> far longer than i should have where on the other hand you have a child who i believe is actually good at sports which probably means they're not yeah. related to you in any way so yeah how dare you sir <laughs> Were you a, were you a star? Actually, why don't you go ahead and just let, let let's set the stage here for what made me think of this. To go ahead and tell us about your uh, your beast of a son. <laughs> uh, he is about a week away from going to prep school in the Northeast to play hockey. So at sixteen, he is leaving home, not to go play in the juniors, which uh, the real top tier kids go. And, but he is uh, going to play in the prep school circuit up in the Northeast. So my wife wanted to know this. We watched the Mighty Ducks the other night. And apparently yeah. in D2 or D3, they go off to like a boarding prep school for hockey. So yeah. is that is that where the Ducks go? 
I, I don't remember that particular movie well enough, but uh, it sounds like it's uh, similar enough to the situation he's going into. Much like Humperdinck, I assumed hockey boarding schools were fictional until I was faced with evidence otherwise. <laughs> so this is always... There are some... Uh, there's some that are more famous than others, but it's not a, it, it is a thing, yes. Hockey is so strange to me because down here in Indiana, ice is at a premium. Like, if, if, a, if a pond or something ices over, you really can't walk on it without dying. There's, you're, you're taking your life into your hand. <laughs> you have to go way far north to get kids who are going to play, pa you know, casual pickup hockey that's not, like, on, on the pavement. And uh, but down here, it's like uh, it's like lacrosse was a few years ago. I always thought lacrosse was the rich kid sport, but now it's hockey because with football, there's there's school money behind it, and they pay for all your pads and all your training. But down here for hockey, you have to pay for it yourself, uh, and also nobody watches it or plays it, so it's kind of like a niche thing. So you've got to have rich parents who are really into a very specific sport that is not climate appropriate, and those are the only hockey players we get. So I've never, and you're actually in a place where hockey is even more climate inappropriate than where I am. But at least you're from the north, so you, I, I can understand how you might have misled your child early, even after you know relocating to the tropics. Well, Nashville has a bit of an advantage because the auto industry kind of moved into here, so there was a big flood of people coming from Detroit ah. and uh, that and uh, northern Ohio, like during the early 2000s, late 90s. So that's when the Nashville Predators, when the NHL came to Nashville, and it's it's really built a strong community that started up north and kind of migrated down. So where I was coming from when I, when I thought of this topic yeah. is I really view youth sports as kind of like a child ruining machine. Now, obviously you don't ruin every child. Nothing can be that <laughs> successful. As hard as I've tried, I, I haven't ruined all of my own kids. But I think by and large, I think, I think youth sports have a negative impact on kids. It was actually one of the chapters in uh, my second book, Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child, uh, where I, I really, especially, so just, just, just the background, I mean, I did, uh, I did like every sport you can think of. I was not a good athlete. I just went to a really small school that did not have cuts. So they could not tell you no. So you could just show up and do whatever. <laughs> and I did track and cross country, and I was okay at those. So I, was, I was the least terrible at cross country and the second least terrible at track. But I was really, really, really bad at basketball. I did that for a number of years. I was also really, really bad at baseball. But I quit that pretty quick. And it always kind of blew my mind how much power youth sports are given over kids like uh like teachers can't really control you at home so much i guess i went to a catholic school so they could a little bit you know you could get expelled for something you did at home but for the most right. part like uh coaches are just like this is when the practice is and you're going to be here and that's it and god forbid you miss a practice or you're going to miss playing time you miss the privilege of always being there uh i when it, what inspired that chapter wasn't actually my own uh traumatic childhood memories, but it was a, a woman I worked with who her daughter was in junior high and she got hurt. And they, they were already like for junior high girls soccer, they were practicing like two hours a day, every day. Like, it seemed like practically year round. It was just insane to me. And at some point she got seriously hurt. She was going to be out for months and she didn't get to go home. She had to go to practice for two hours a day and watch everybody else play. And I thought that's insane. If you get hurt at work, they send you home. They don't bring you in in a wheelchair to watch everybody else work. You know, if you're injured on the battlefield, they don't, they don't send you back to the front line to clap for the troops. They take you back to a medical tent you get some time <laughs> off but in sports it's like we own you whether you're healthy or not and that that 
That's probably my chief complaint with it. But obviously, you've seen the other end of it because you, your kid is like the success story. Your kid is the kid that all the other youth hockey players, or at least the parents with kind of delusions of grandeur, they all think their kid <laughs> is going to be your kid. So Steve, standing on top of the mountain of youth sports success, what is your case for the joy of youth sports? The joy? Of uh, that's probably the wrong word. I, sports it's, it's, in general, yeah. I think, does have some utility. And uh, if you're not good at it, it's going to be demeaning. Just like if I, if, if, when I go bowling with my wife, it's humiliating <laughs> and emasculating because she's good at it and I'm horrible at bowling. But uh, I went to the state finals in Wisconsin in 1985 in tennis. Oh. Like uh, I was a very good tennis player. So I've been kind of, I understand both ends of the spectrum, the embarrassment and also the street cred that you get. But Sports in general, I think, teaches kids things like uh, team is bigger than me. Like uh, we're all in this together. Now tennis isn't like that, but <laughs> hockey is a team sport. Uh, baseball is a team sport. Football is a team sport. Basketball is a team sport. Now one stud kid can certainly sway a team back and forth, but once you reach a certain level and the talent evens out, you need to work as a team. You need to learn to work as a group. You need to learn to manage different personalities. You need to learn to listen to your boss, the coach. You need to do what you're told or you sit. Like uh, there's a whole lot of input you have, but there is a person who has the bottom line last word. And I think those are good lessons in life. And also, when you said you got to show up on time for practice, I think good on you. Learn that. You got to get your butt out of bed and you got to show up. James, do you love your job? Do you love <laughs> dragging yourself into this podcast every week? I can't imagine this is the high point that you look forward to all week. Like, uh, no, but you've learned discipline and sports teaches kids that discipline. Now, if you're going to be humiliated, do something that makes you feel good. A lot of the rock stars that I interview, the men are little, like they're small because they couldn't be athletes. They couldn't get any kind of traction in life with athletics. So they learned to, to work the fretboard. They learned piano. They could sing. Like It's all about finding just that little spot where you can gain a toehold of self-confidence and self-image. And if sports happens to be it, then good. I think that teaches other very disciplined life skills that'll pay off down the road. People go into the the benefits of sports, like teach you, you know, it teaches you grit, adversity, all that. But there is so much in life to kick you around that you don't really you don't really need to be kicked around in like a laboratory setting. Like there's a whole big real life out there uh, to uh, to do that. Well, hold on, hold on. But you have to learn how to cope with that it's not life kicking you around in my experience though it's a totally different thing because i think one of the things that sports teaches you when you get kicked around is that you're trapped that you don't have an alternative there's no higher authority whereas the lesson you need to learn is if somebody's treating you like dirt or you're in a bad situation sometimes the lesson you need to learn is to stand up for yourself or get up and leave take your services to another town another employer all those kind of things. So the uh, the attendance thing, like you know, regular attendance is fine. But again, with a job, with any other context, you get days off. You can you can you have some personhood over the team. Uh, with teams, though, my experience, especially with the and again, track and cross country were way more mellow, which is why I enjoyed those. I think basketball was insane because you had practices you had to be at, you know, for two hours a night or whatever, and you had to be there a set time early. It was one of those things where if you're on time, you're late, so you actually have to be ten minutes early. So if you have to leave at two, you actually have to be there there at like 150 and if you show up at 151 you don't get on the bus you know mind games like that the coaches play but the bigger thing was was when i learned the meaning of optional 
So they would have things called optional <laughs> practices during the summer. And an optional practice means you have to go to it or you don't play on the team. You lose There's the privilege pressure, of, yeah. also, of also continuing to show up and waste your time. And so they had these optional practices to get around the, the rules of whatever the governing sports body was in Illinois. And so all summer long, you had to show up at the time the coach arbitrarily picked in the middle of the day and you had to do this and you know god help you if you have a summer job or something like that so we had optional mandatory practices going on and this is i think this is kind of ubiquitous throughout the sports world we ran into that in college too uh the ncaa comes down very hard on it they're like a certain number of days a week your kid cannot practice they have to have a day right. off and on those days off we had optional practices on our own where we also reported to the coach and he told us what to do and then we had to sign off to say that we had not shown up to practice like they actually had to say we had to sign up and lie and like what are you going to do this man controls your scholarship you're gonna you're gonna show leadership by saying no i'm not gonna sign that you think that's gonna bode well for your scholarship you think that's gonna bode well for your future on the team but again this guy has absolute authority over you and a coach has absolute authority over you in a way that like a, a boss or a spouse or anyone else no one else will ever have that kind of authority because there's no appeal for it they decide if you're on or off and they also have a form of corporal punishment like i was a runner so like our very sport itself was a punishment and if he didn't like what you do if you <laughs> stood out guess what you're running more and if you don't like it you're going to lose your scholarship you're going to get booted off the team and they just have total control over your life and uh you know I've, I've been out of college a long time i'm pretty old not as old as you you know i'm not as old as moses yet but i'm getting up there and ever since then i've never been in any circumstance where one person has that kind of control and again sometimes you get in good situations with great coaches with hearts of gold but sometimes you run into petty tyrants and you run into petty tyrants in a lot of areas of life but sports are the one where if you run to that petty tyrant you're just kind of out of luck uh, i assume that your kid is still going i assume they've had mostly good coaches but have you never got caught into the optional mandatory trap or any of those things sure yeah well optional isn't really optional that's kind of <laughs> what we've learned now when the kids are eight like what the hell well we're going to chuck e cheese for his cousin's birthday but yeah the uh, once you get a little older, option there really isn't any optional. Like everybody shows up and works out. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. And yeah, we've had crappy coaches along the way too, and you're stuck for that season. And my son has played on a few different teams because he didn't like the coach. So that's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. That uh, sometimes you're stuck and you just wait for the train to run you over next <laughs> season to show up. Like, there you go. Parenting lessons from Steve: just let the train hit you. <laughs> The light at the end of the tunnel isn't always daybreak, right? <laughs> but uh, the other thing, when you talked about that uh, you, you had to run as a punishment, like the, the one thing that that could also teach is that the unit is responsible for itself. So keep your other team members in line, that everyone's pulling on the same rope. Now, there's a lot of upside. And still, I can't believe you keep coming back to time because you are extremely punctual and you had to learn that somewhere, James. And it might not have been sports, but the concept doesn't change. It just depends on whatever kids are good at and whatever they're interested in. Replace that with theater. We have rehearsal every night after school at 4 o'clock. The 5.30 bus will take you home for an hour and a half. We're going to do blocking. We're running lines. like you did, Or music. This is when the band rehearses. Like uh, There's all kinds of time markers we have to learn to hit and be... Uh, not loyal, what's the right word? Be diligent, be dutiful. God, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Be consistent, be on time, just show up. Anyway, I still think there's upside. If the kids aren't good at, like you with basketball, 
You keep bringing it back to that, but what was in it for you? You sucked. Uh, you didn't get any kind of positive stuff out of it other than you hung out with your friends and you might have gotten to travel yet leave school an hour early to go to an away game. But if you were good at it, you probably had a stud athlete in your class, your uh, graduating class in high school, who probably played all four sports and uh, probably uh, dated the head cheerleader and all the teachers knew the kid and all the parents knew the kid. Well, for that kid, sports is the ticket. If you weren't that kid, you had to find somewhere else to get that grip. And you did. You found me. And I <laughs> propelled you right to the top of the food chain, James. The, uh, you know, it's interesting that you bring up what you get out of it. Because actually, I ended up getting out of it what every player on that team uh, who was good at it got out of it, which was nothing. Uh, not a single player went on to play ever after that, like outside of pickup games. Like there were no scholarship athletes on the team. The best of the best of the best guy who threw his heart and soul into it and played injured and went to all those optional mandatory practices and all of those things, he ended up right where I did, uh, which is a kind of a shocking end for a lot of people that sports come to an end and you realize that everything you did counted for nothing. All of your glory and rise and triumph is that no, everybody just kind of... No, just, no. Oh, oh, are, are you the guy still wearing your high school letterman jacket? Are you still reveling in the triumphs of the past? Well, it doesn't fit anymore, but we do own it, and my wife wears it once in a while just to mock me. But it's got a captain star on the letter for God's oh. sake, Well, That's all I have, please. But it gives him good memories. It probably, he's probably successful in life because he has that internal drive and that discipline. And that has to get taught along the way. You're translating everything into dollars and cents. And not everything in life translates specifically to dollars and cents. This probably tangentially does because it makes him successful at whatever projects he takes on. The, You've got it in you too. As much as you're complaining about this, you have a whole lot more of this. And maybe it's because you grew up on a farm because you learned everything has to get done and there's no one else to do it. So, like uh, something planted that work ethic in you, James. So actually, the, the main lesson I learned from sports was when to cut bait and quit. I learned it way, way too late. I was only on that, I was only on that farm till I was three years old. It, it looms large in my imagination, but I was out of there. I grew up the child of an office worker for the most part for most of my childhood. But it does come down to dollars and cents. And so we've got kind of an abnormal case in, in your son's case, where your son loves hockey and he's good at hockey. But I think a more common scenario is where kids love a sport and as they get older, they stop loving it so much. But they're on the travel team, and their parents are paying for camps, and their parents are paying for coaching, and they can't stop, and they can't get out. It's the sunk cost fallacy. And at some point, they think they're going to get their money back out of this sport in terms of a scholarship. And this was the other wow. story that uh, inspired that chapter on bare minimum parenting. It wasn't just the, the soccer one with the kid who still had to go, even though they were injured and waste two hours of their yeah. time. Uh, it was the... It was a lady I, I, I came across, and uh, we, we were in a professional capacity sitting there, and she was going on and on about how her daughter was going to uh, a volleyball tournament across the country. I think it was in California, and we're in Indiana yeah. here. So she was going to fly her whole family out there for this volleyball tournament, and this was something they did regularly because her daughter was so good at volleyball. She's like, but it's okay. We're going to make it back when she gets a scholarship. It's like, 
That's oh. not how scholarships work. Uh, I've been through the scholarship meat grinder. Now, granted, as much as I hated running eventually, uh, and I did get something good out of running because I made a good friend who has a lake house, which I get to go to sometimes. So that was the, <laughs> that was the payoff for, uh, for running. But like for people who think that you're going to get a big scholarship, that is not how it works. Uh, so first of all, like the full ride scholarships in most cases are really only available at like D1 schools for D1 programs like basketball and uh, football. And there's other scholarships too to equal it out. And they're like subdivided. If you're a runner or a swimmer or something else, a volleyball player, it is super unlikely that that's going to pay for your entire school. It's going to pay for like a fraction of a fraction of a percent. They're going to give you just enough money to give that coach control out of your life that if you, if you quit, you might not be able to afford to go there anymore. But if you went back and took all those hours that you put in in high school and camps and summer and all of that, if you just put those into an even ordinary part-time job, you could pay for college faster than going for the moon shot of trying to get the scholarship but that scholarship dream that is not just like here or there that is like everywhere every parent who sees their kid do a little bit good at a sport they're like oh this one this time little timmy is going to go out and they're going to get college paid for it's like oh that's not that's not going to happen uh in, in likely in all likelihood you'll in best case scenario you'll get a little bit uh in, in worst case scenario you won't get anything i remember one of the harshest news articles i ever read but it's one of the only newspaper articles i still remember to this day there was i think he was a, like an orthopedic surgeon uh and he, I think he was in Champaign-Urbana. He wrote it in that newspaper. He's like, your kid isn't going pro. And he went through all of the injuries that can derail your child through no fault of their own. They just mean their sports career is done. You know, do not pass go, do not collect $200. You, you fall a little odd just this one time and your leg or your arm or your elbow is messed up enough that you're out altogether. And this whole thing you built your career towards is gone. And I know, you know, life is unpredictable and all that, but sports are especially unpredictable. You know, your ability to think and reason and all that, it's not as vulnerable to like one fluke injury. And the idea that you can go through this meat grinder, all these competitions, and all these practices and never once take that one big hit that ends everything, uh, the odds are astronomically small. And I think what happens is we look at success cases, like look at Steve's kid. He's happy and he's good. And we forget about everybody else who's like just kind of going through the motions because they're too far in to quit or they're playing injured or all those other things. So in my mind, Sports time could be better spent doing something else because, you know, I'm a terrible person. I'm looking to be efficient here, Steve. Oh, wow. Well, I, I've i never thought about scholarships. <laughs> I, I remember saying to my son when he was about nine, I said, you realize none of the kids you play with are going to play in the NHL. NHL. And that sort of shocked him. Like, really? And I said, yeah. How many players enter the NHL every year? Look at basketball. Mm -hmm. The NBA has two rounds in their draft, which means there are roughly 50 new players every year that enter the NBA. Like, are you one of the top 50 in the country? And how many of those wash out or sit on the bench? Like, there's only so many LeBron Jameses out there. And James Breakwell. <laughs> the, the James in common is not a coincidence, by the way. And hockey's the same way. Like, uh, we've played in high-end tournaments with the Canadian kids at his birth year, and it's like, holy crap. The draft year from the 2004 birth kids is going to come out of this pool. Oh, not geez. out of the pool we're playing in. <laughs> like, uh, we're playing in a pool that can't even swim in that other pool. So it's like, damn. Stupid shifty and Canadians. Well, they start skating when they're three, and they're on skates year-round. Like, how do you compete they with They come that? out of the uterus with the skates on, I hear. <laughs> it's a rough delivery, but yeah. <laughs> that, it's not a C-section. It's an S-section to get those skates out the birth canal. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't think about scholarship. 
I, I, my thing with him is, if you can play even in a smaller school, just get a girlfriend who likes hockey and be happy. You got to do something else to pay the bills when you get out of school. So study hard and get good grades. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Make sure the sport doesn't interfere with what you're doing outside of sports and make sure that you enjoy it. Cause I, believe, I think those two things are lost completely, especially like in high school sports. In high school sports, um, depending for the ones with a ball, the ones in a team, like the sport supersedes school pretty quickly with the way that goes. So make sure you know, make sure you develop other interests and make sure you know that the sport is going to end. Uh, as for not looking for the scholarship, uh, we've all seen the Steve Olivas Manor, at least I have, when the buzzers are assembled <laughs> oh, on top of it. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm sure the scholarship wasn't a, a concern for you, but not not everybody is so uh, financially prudent with that. You know, That's again, you got the these... other component. Yeah, That's right. All these people doing hotel rooms and tournament costs. is like, this is not... It, I, and in the book, I compared it to um, like spending thousands of dollars in a claw machine to try to win a stuffed animal. That's really what you're doing. You're throwing it all in this for a random chance to get a small prize when you've already got more value than that prize can bring you, especially if you're taking your whole family. Think about it. if your parents just worked that weekend, worked a little overtime rather than flying across the country and spending money, you would definitely come out money ahead. Um, so yeah, so I, I guess that's that's my take on it. My kids do not do sports, which is like super, I, and if they want to, that's fine. One of my kids did running a little bit one year, but like a lot of kids, they're three, they're four, they're out there playing t-ball, they're out there playing soccer, they have no idea which way the ball's going. It's all super cute, but as you go up every year, it gets a little more intense and a little more, uh, a little more, um, I, I guess, I don't know what other word I'm looking for other than intense, a little less fun until you can really see the debt, you know, the the dead look in their eyes as they go out there to play their 50th game of the season or whatever it is. So that's that's my take. Do you have any closing thoughts? I I, I have two kids and one uh, is uh, sort of coordinated like Breakwell and the other is coordinated like Olivas. So, they're both good at other. My daughter, we, we tried soccer for a little while and basketball and it was like, Ugh. But she's uh, good at drama. She was in community theater. She's successful. She's going to school to be a biogeneticist or something I can't pronounce, but what the hell? Kids got to find a little traction somewhere. And I think the bottom line, James, is it comes down to is your parent kooky or not? And uh, at least one of us is still remarkably sane. But speaking for the other one of us, I'm going to draw us to a close here, Breakwell. I that has been uh, the first real episode of the new <laughs> format of Wrong and Wronger. I wasn't embarrassed at all this week telling a story that humiliated me at uh, the expense of myself. But tune in again next week where you can complain to Breakwell privately on direct message <laughs> or through email about how awful the new format is. <laughs> or just write on Twitter how awesome Olivas continues to be. Day in, day out, week in, week out. And Breakwell, talk about an exercise in futility. We're going to be back next week. And until then... This is Steve Lives, Dr. Steve for James the Exploding. He's going to Google Eaglebird Humperdinck Breakwell. Steve Olivas that just said that name correctly. Saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and remember, two wrongs can make a right. <laughs>